Leslie Woody, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. This week, we're continuing with our new series called My Historical Mentors, and this is a series I'm so excited about where I am diving into the lives of some women throughout history who have personally mentored me, not one-on-one, but just through their example and their lives. A lot of times as women, we need those godly older women that can pour into us, and it can be hard to find that today. And yet I have found such an amazing treasure trove in the lives of women throughout history that have really become my historical mentors. And that's the vision behind this series. So if you haven't caught the first episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to that as you have time. This week, we're going to be unpacking spiritual lessons from the life of Biddy Chambers. And she was the wife of Oswald Chambers, who is known for My Utmost for His Highest, one of the most famous, if not the most famous devotionals ever written. Before we jump in, I wanted to put a plug in for our Daily Thunder podcast series that Eric is doing right now. It's called Spiritual Lessons from Black and White America, and it really is powerful. It's convicting, it's challenging, and it gives us such a fresh vision as Christians for how God has called us to live in such a time as this. It goes through American history from the early 1900s to the mid-1900s, and yet it does so much more than that because it opens our eyes to see the way that God has called us to live and showcase his light and life and hope to a lost and dying world. So just check out the link in this podcast description. If you'd like to know more about that series, I also give guest episodes on that series once a week. So there's a lot there for you to unpack. Also, if you are interested in a season to go deeper with Jesus, I encourage you to check out our 2024 Ellerslie Discipleship Programs, which are available at ellerslie.com or click the links in this podcast description. Let's jump into spiritual lessons from the life of Biddy Chambers. Biddy isn't really as well known for most people as Oswald Chambers is, and yet she was really the one behind that book, My Utmost for His Highest. It really would never Never have gotten out to the world without her. And so just a quick recap of her story. When she was growing up, her lifelong dream was to become secretary to the prime minister of England. She became very fluid in taking shorthand notes. She was extremely capable and talented. She could have been like an executive assistant to almost anyone who was powerful and influential just because she was so skilled and so capable and just kind of a no-nonsense person. She knew how to get the job done. She didn't have a lot of drama in her life. She was just a hard worker. And God got a hold of her life in a pretty radical way when she was a young woman. And it wasn't long after that that she met Oswald Chambers. And her passion was still to use her talents, but now it was to use her talents for the glory of God. And one thing that one of her biographies said is that when Oswald met her, she was not a weak woman who needed to be coddled. And I think that was probably something that really appealed to Oswald Chambers because he was a man who was also radically given to the glory of God. And he had already turned down some amazing opportunities in the world's eyes. He could have gotten a scholarship to a very prestigious school in art and in music, and yet he felt he was called to minister within the church. He was called to build disciples. And so he walked away from very lucrative and prestigious opportunities so that he could fully give himself to the call of God on his life. And to find a woman who could join him in that radical of a lifestyle for Christ was pretty rare and unusual. So Biddy really stood out to him, her passion for Christ and her willingness to walk away from what the world would deem a good opportunity in 
order to pour her life out for the glory of God. This really stood out to him. They met on a ship that was traveling from England to the United States. And during that journey, they studied the word of God together. They talked about their mutual love for him. And he always, he reminds me somewhat of my husband, Eric, because he always would nickname people. And my husband, Eric, loves to put names and nicknames on things. But he decided she needed a nickname. So he started to call her the beloved disciple, probably really that indicates her passion for being a disciple of Christ, which is really neat. But it eventually shortened to Biddy. So her real name was Gertrude, and she became known as Biddy after that because of Oswald nicknaming her (laughs) beloved disciple and shortening it to Biddy, which is a very just interesting note about their love story. As they began to realize that they were falling in love and they built a really deep friendship and they knew it was headed toward marriage, One of the things that they both agreed to was to be fully surrendered to God's timing and to always put his calling on their lives above just their own happiness and what they wanted. And one of the things that Oswald wrote to Biddy in one of his letters to her was this, our vision needs to be for Christ alone and not for domestic bliss. And she agreed with that vision and she went into marriage with a very surrendered heart. They didn't just rush into things because they were attracted to each other. They waited for God's perfect timing and they agreed together that his glory and his highest would always be their primary pursuit. And their life together really was one of continually laying down their own vision, their own rights, their own comforts in order to pour their lives out for the glory of God. When they were first married, they worked together to start a Bible college, and they just tirelessly poured into these young students, these young Christians who wanted to know what it really meant to be a disciple of Christ. And it was like no... No sacrifice was too great for either one of them to pour their lives out to minister to these young men and women who were eager students of the Bible, and they just worked so tirelessly. The teaching was excellent, and they also ministered to them personally. And as the Bible college was getting off the ground, World War I broke out. And so they were feeling really strongly that they were to go to the front lines of the war and Oswald was to minister to the soldiers who were really living in kind of a life or death type of battle every single day. The war was such a just a devastating experience for all of those who participated. And there was so much devastation, so much pain and sickness and death and just sort of what seemed like needless dying and brutality. And Oswald felt like he was supposed to be in the midst of that need. And so he and Biddy and their young daughter, Kathleen, went to Egypt and he became a chaplain to this camp of soldiers living in Egypt on the front lines. And it was hot dusty, exhausting. It was difficult. There were sandstorms. There was disease everywhere. But here was Biddy living among all these soldiers with her young daughter and her husband. And she just remained steady and joyful through it all because, again, her focus was on her calling as a disciple of Christ, the glory of God, and not just her own vision for what she wanted for her life. So they went through a lot of hardships on the battlefield there as he was the chaplain to these soldiers. But it was also just a beautiful time of seeing so many men who were very hardened and against the word of God and 
their lives were changed, their hearts were softened. So many of them gave their lives to Christ because of Oswald and Betty's example. And even their little daughter, Kathleen, there are a lot of stories about how she sort of softened the men's hearts to even hear what Oswald had to say. So there's some really sweet stories in the biographies about her. Oswald became one of the most respected Bible teachers of the 1900s, but his works never would have blessed millions of people around the world without what Biddy did, because when he was in his 40s living in Egypt, he died unexpectedly. He became sick, and he put off going to a doctor for a long time because he didn't want to take a bed that was needed for one of the soldiers, which again is such an indication of the way that he lived his life, very, very outward-focused and other-centered, but eventually he died from a ruptured appendix in his early 40s, leaving Biddy and his young daughter Kathleen without really any money or support. But she just continued to steadily go on trusting God, even though his death was very tragic for her, very heartbreaking for her. She knew that she was called. And one of the things that she wrote not long after Oswald's death was this, God released Oswald from his tasks. He did not release me. So she knew she still had a calling on her life, even though Oswald was gone. Now, Oswald was really the dynamic teacher, the one who was in front of people all the time. She was always more behind the scenes. And yet throughout Oswald's teaching ministry at the Bible school in London and all the sermons that he had given, and later as the YMCA chaplain in Cairo, Egypt, she attended pretty much all of his lectures and took shorthand notes of every word he said. And she immersed her mind and her heart in his teachings. So her shorthand training when she had wanted to be the secretary to the prime minister of England really came in handy because Oswald was a very eloquent teacher. And unless you took very detailed notes, it would pretty much be impossible to just summarize everything that he said. His teaching was so rich and so pithy and so deep. And so it was really amazing that she basically took down everything that he said word for word. After his death, she and Kathleen went back to England and she began to pray about how she was supposed to go on in full-time ministry for the glory of God. She began to feel that she was supposed to take all of these notes that she compiled over the years of Oswald's teaching, his powerful, life-changing teaching that had changed the lives of so many people around the world, and to spend the rest of her life giving those words to the world. Now, that was definitely not an easy vision because she didn't have a lot of money. She didn't have a big church backing her up. How would she find the time to raise a young daughter, keep food on the table, and still turn all of this teaching into words that the entire world could digest. And yet she laid that vision before God and he began to lead her one step at a time. One of the things that Oswald Chambers valued and she valued as well was something that he said in one of his messages, your priorities must be God first, God second, and God third, until your life is continually face-to-face with God and no one else is taken into account whatsoever. Your prayer will be, in all the world, there is no one but you, dear God, there is no one but you. To have Jesus Christ and your relationship with God at the forefront of your vision like that is the only thing that really allowed Biddy to do what she did for the rest of her life because she ran a mission house and ran a boarding house. She cooked daily meals for Bible college students. She was constantly ministering to needy strangers, giving a word of encouragement where it was needed raising a young daughter, washing the feet of the saints, giving to anyone who asked, despite living on a very meager income. And in the midst of all of this, she began doing the painstaking work of compiling all her shorthand notes into books in her spare time 
on an old typewriter. And that is such a beautiful example of a poured out life, just a willing heart to say, God has still called me to ministry and I will give in any way that I possibly can. So I want to really highlight three qualities that have stood out to me as I've studied Biddy Chambers' life. And the first one is her amazing humility, Christ-like humility. She gave so willingly of her time, energy, and resources, and yet she never sought for the glory or the credit. All of that work that she did on the old typewriter eventually came into the book called My Utmost for His Highest, and she began to send those books to Christians around the world, and because the content was so powerful, it just began to move around the world, sort of go viral, as we would say in modern times, although the internet didn't exist back then. Just by word of mouth, it spread, and the ministry of Oswald Chambers was really launched through that work, that effort on Biddy's behalf. And it said in one of her biographies, at age 44, Biddy completed the work on My Utmost for His Highest. After three painstaking years of work, also in the midst of her other demanding ministry work, she wrote the foreword for the book and signed only her initials B.C., Nowhere in the book did it mention her name or her work of taking shorthand notes, typing the talks, and merging paragraphs from three different messages into a coherent reading for a single day. The author was Oswald Chambers. She was a channel through which his words were conveyed to others. That was her way. And I just love that because it's in such contrast to what we often see around us today, even when we see people in ministry. A lot of times ministry can become a platform to be seen and noticed and appreciated. It's very easy to get into ministry for the wrong reasons, especially with social media out there, to want to be noticed and applauded by others. And yet Biddy's work was very much behind the scenes. And even though she accomplished this absolutely amazing task that took hours and hours of painstaking work, she did not want any of the credit. Reminds me a little bit of Amy Carmichael. When she first started her ministry to the Shawleys in Ireland, she accomplished something really amazing by launching this ministry and building this building. And when the hall was dedicated, she didn't want any credit. She sat in the audience among the Shawleys and let a local minister dedicate the building because she wanted Christ to have the preeminence. One of the biographies about Oswald and Biddy says this, the result of Biddy's self-sacrificing work under very difficult conditions were some 50 books bearing Oswald's name, but never mentioning her own. When the heart sees what God wants, Oswald used to say, the body must be willing to spend and be spent for that cause alone. Both Oswald and Biddy saw they were willing and they were spent. In Matthew 23, 5-8, Jesus warns against the pattern or the attitude of the Pharisees. He says, All their works they do to be seen by men. They love the best places at the feast. They love to be called rabbi, rabbi. And then he says, Do not be like them. We are to take the opposite spirit. He says that, If we desire to be the greatest in his kingdom, we are to take the place of a servant. And the Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I love the picture that we've talked about before in other episodes of Mary, the mother of Christ, who had every reason to draw attention to herself for all that she walked through, all that she experienced, but it said instead that she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What a beautiful picture of humility, and that is really what I see in Biddy Chambers' life. She accomplished amazing things for God, but she never wanted the credit or the glory. She wanted to be serving behind the scenes, very much 
in the spirit of what Jesus says, whoever would be the greatest among you, let him be your servant. She was never too busy to stop what she was doing and have a cup of tea with someone who was in need or someone who was hurt. She was never too busy to write little notes to people. Her daughter said later in an interview after Biddy's death that my mother used to write notes for people and the notes that she wrote were always notes that people never tore up. So you imagine all of the work that she's doing on the typewriter to compile all of this material and make it coherent and make it flow into a book. And yet she always took the time to invest in the lives of individuals that God brought across her path. And that's amazing humility. I remember getting a letter from a publisher a few years ago. I was promoting a new Christian author and kind of wanting some support and and kind of reaching out to people who could kind of help get the word out about this book. But it was interesting reading this letter because what they were giving the author credit for wasn't her truth or her understanding of the ways of God or her relationship with Christ. It was all about what kind of platform she had developed online and how many followers she had on social media. And it really put her credibility on par with how much popularity she had. And to me, that's such an indication of where we've come to as a church today. And we don't value those who work behind the scenes who don't want to be seen and recognized. We value those who have a big following and a big stage and have big influence. And yet often God is more at work behind the scenes than we realize. And a lot of times he has called us to a quiet serving behind the scenes that our works for him would be done for his eyes only. And if others are blessed and others see them, then we give the glory to God. It is not something we go after and seek ourselves. And yet in modern Christianity, we see a lot of spiritual pride. We see a lot of, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I think with social media, it's just very, very easy to fall into that trap. So my encouragement as we study the life of someone like Biddy's is to just step into that place of humility, saying, Lord, I am willing to pour out my all, to pour out my very best for your eyes only, to live for an audience of one. And if those people that I am seeking to reach are blessed and benefited, my desire is that they would see you and not me. This requires the grace of God because we're not naturally wired to be deflecting of praise and appreciation. And yet when we can live the way John the Baptist lived, who said, I must decrease, that he must increase, that is when God can truly get the glory out of our lives. Another quality that I see in Biddy's life is a life well spent. She went the course, she ran the race, she endured, she did not give up even when things were difficult. One of the things that I notice about women that I really admire and look up to in history are those women who humble themselves and stay with the work that God has called them to do are the ones that God most powerfully uses to impact this world. In our last episode, I highlighted the life of Lillian Trasher. She was one of the first Christians to start an orphanage in Egypt, and it became one of the largest orphanages ever in that country. And she had a really amazing, beautiful impact on that country and on the orphans and widows there. But when someone asked her at the end of her life, what was her secret to her success? She said, there really isn't any secret. I just stayed with the work that God called me to do. And that's what I see in the life of Biddy Chambers as well. It was tedious and long hours and really a thankless job, not a lot of romance or glamour or adventure in what she was called to, but she stayed faithfully serving, humbly serving, and God began to use her life in such amazing ways to the point where we're still impacted by Biddy Chambers' work to this day because of those devotionals that are out there with Oswald Chambers' name on them. 
Amy Carmichael also made that decision. She had the opportunity when she first went to India to become a famous evangelist and teacher, but she chose to walk away from that and to care for helpless babies and orphans. And at the time, people told her, well, you're you're missing out on a great opportunity to make a name for yourself. But what's interesting to me is that the people who were telling her that, they went out and sought to make a name for themselves, but we don't remember their names to this day. Their work was very temporary and just kind of a flash in the pan, but Amy Carmichael continues to impact my life and the life of so many others, even decades after her death. That's what we see in Lillian Trasher's life, in Biddy Chambers' life, in Amy Carmichael's life, is this life well-lived, meaning staying the course, going the distance, staying with the work that God has called us to do, even though it becomes tiring and tedious and not exciting at times. For Amy Carmichael, she had to choose to feed bottles and change diapers rather than be on a stage speaking in front of thousands. And for Lillian Trasher, she had to choose to pour out her life for these orphans, even when nobody on the outside noticed or appreciated the work that she was doing. For Biddy Chambers, it was the same thing. Her daily life was very simple, very humble. She didn't pursue a name for herself, and she even turned down opportunities to make money in order to obey what she felt God had called her to do, and that was behind-the-scenes service. This is what's really interesting from her biography. It says, throughout her life, Biddy rarely had a 24-hour period in which it appeared she had accomplished something great for God. But the total of her days added up to a towering achievement of published words and human kindness. Before she died in 1966, 50 books bearing her husband's name had been published along with thousands of others, seed thought calendars and leaflet sermons. Every morning, people around the world opened up a small book that they called My Utmost for His Highest to help set their sights on God for that day. That is really amazing. She never had a 24-hour period in which she appeared to have accomplished something great for God. And yet, throughout the faithful, steady willingness of her life, God did something so huge and so epic that still impacts the world today. And that speaks volumes to me of being faithful with the work that God has put right in front of me to do, even when I can't see the end of the story, even when it becomes tedious and difficult. One of the things that Oswald wrote about Biddy before his death was this, as for Biddy, I love her and I am her husband, but I do not believe it is possible to exaggerate what she has been in the way of a sacrament out here, God conveying his presence through the common elements of an ordinary life. And that is something that I've talked about in other episodes is that we often look at Christian heroes or people in history that we admire and think, well, they were unique. They were extraordinary. They were uniquely talented. But in reality, most of them had a very ordinary lives, but they put their faith in an extraordinary God and they trusted his faithfulness. And that is how God can powerfully work through them. So that really is what it means to me to have a life well spent, a life well lived, running the race, keeping the faith, and being faithful with the work that God has called us to do through the ups and downs of life. And that is the type of life that God can bless and bear eternal fruit through. And another quality that I recognize in Biddy Chambers is seeing beauty in ashes. She had a love for life, a zest for life. She brought life to those around her. And even when things were very dark and difficult, she always took a heavenly perspective. She always completely trusted that God would turn all things to good if she continued to trust him. And that was certainly true when Oswald died unexpectedly. And you think about just the devastation 
being out in the middle of the front lines of the war in the desert with really harsh conditions, with no money, with a young daughter and have your husband die unexpectedly. And yet she still maintained that heavenly perspective that God would turn everything for his glory if she continued to trust him. She always saw the beauty in the ashes around her. After she had spent quite a number of years after Oswald's death, sending his works around the world and printing all of these books and devotionals, there was a time when most of the inventory was being kept in a warehouse and it was all destroyed in a fire. Her immediate attitude was one of just complete calm and trust. She made a comment like, God has had a season for these books and now he's moving us into a new season. She just really wasn't ruffled at all. And yet those books represented years and years and years of her life, but she just was unfazed. She always saw the beauty in the ash and she always knew that God would make a way where there seemed to be no way. Throughout the rest of her life, even after that fire, she quietly continued on with every ministry opportunity that God put in front of her. One of the things that her daughter said about her after her death was this, all of my life, my mother never for half a second questioned what God allowed to happen ever. She might've been puzzled, but she was unperturbed and never desperate. And that is because she saw God's beauty in the midst of ashes. She trusted him implicitly and he was always faithful. So I have learned from Biddy Chambers the value of humility, the value of staying with the work that God has called me to do, and the value of seeing beauty in the midst of ashes. And her life continues to challenge me whenever my life seems to be a little bumpy or challenging to go back to those principles and allow God to work them more deeply within me by his grace. And I pray that you will take to heart those three principles and let him show you in your own life how he wants to deepen those things with the journey that you are currently on. A couple of great resources if you'd like to learn more about Biddy Chambers would be David McCaslin's book, which is called Oswald Chambers, Abandoned to God. And then there's a book by Michelle Uli, I think that's how you say her last name, called Mrs. Oswald Chambers, which is also very well written and really focuses in on Biddy's life and work. There's also a short video that you can see on YouTube called My Atmosphere is Highest, The Legacy of Oswald and Biddy Chambers. And all of those resources are great for just really looking at those qualities and looking at how she lived them out and applying them to our own lives. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a set-apart life for Christ, I invite you to check out the many resources that we have for you at setapart.org. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.